0: Welcome to LeGrave CRC's sermon podcast. This Sunday we will conclude our sermon series, The Canons of Dort. Reverend Yonker will preach on the perseverance of the saints. As Aaron mentioned, uh, today is the final sermon in the five sermon series on the Canons of Dort. Uh, for those of you who are visiting, we've been thinking about the Canons of Dort for the last five weeks. The canons of Dort is a 400-year-old document which for us Christian Reformed people has helped us uh, focus how we understand what we think scripture is saying. It's guided us for, for many, many years. And today we come to the final of the five points of doctrine in the canons, and that is the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. And uh, um, very enthusiastically, we have uh, five readings, five, or no, four readings. And I know that seems like a lot, but we'll break them up. Um, so I'll have two readings from the canons and two readings from scripture. And we'll begin, and I'm sorry, this is wrong in your bulletin, with Article 2 from the Fifth Point of Doctrine in the Canons of Dort. That's found on page 137 in your Our Faith book. And then I will follow that by reading from the book of Hebrews. I'll read that passage that is listed in your bulletin from Hebrews, Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 19. But first, Article 2. Hence, daily sins of weakness arise. That hence is based on the fact that even when we were redeemed in Christ, we still struggle with sin. Hence, daily sins of weakness arise. And blemishes cling to even the best works of saints, giving them continual cause to humble themselves before God, to flee for refuge to Christ crucified, to put the flesh to death more and more by the spirit of supplication and by holy exercises of godliness and to strain towards the goal of perfection until they are freed from this body of death and reign with the Lamb of God in heaven. That's the Canons, Article 2 of the Fifth Head of Doctrine. Now let us hear one of the texts from which this is derived, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 19. The preacher of Hebrews says, "'See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness.'" We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original conviction firmly to the very end. Just as it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. I want to start my sermon today with what might seem like a strange question. And the question is how fast am I moving? How fast am I moving right now? Now, Some of you may be thinking that is a strange question, Peter. It's very clear that you are not moving at all. You're waving your arms around, as is your want. But you are not moving. You are going exactly zero miles per hour. And that's right. If there was a police officer in the sanctuary right now with a radar gun, and he pointed that radar gun at me, I would be moving exactly zero miles per hour. But if you change your perspective... You might change your answer. The earth makes one full rotation every day, right? One full rotation. And at this latitude, if you measure how fast I'm going, how far that goes in in, in one day, I'm moving, and so are you, over 500 miles an hour. We are really cooking along right now. And wait, there's more. The earth makes one full rotation around the Sun. Every year, right? We all know this. And if you measure the distance and divide it by the time, that means that I and all of you are moving 66,000 miles per hour through space right now. So if this sermon lasts 20 minutes, as I know you all hope it does, we will have traveled 20, if you're standing on the sun and you were looking, we would have traveled 22,000 miles in the time from the beginning of this sermon to its end. We should be wearing helmets. We should apply for air miles. Your perspective on things can really change depending on your vantage point. Why do I start with this analogy? I start with this analogy, first of all, because that's true throughout faith, right? One of the things about being a Christian person is that you always realize that there's this other dimension to all reality. It's not just what seems obvious to your eyes, everything is deeper than you think. And that certainly applies to the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. There are two different ways, depending on your vantage point, two different ways that you can look at the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. And I want to look at both of those different angles this morning. I think for most of us, when we hear perseverance of the saints, the first thing we think of, the first angle we take on this, is that we hear are reminded of the Bible's serious call for all of us saints, that's who we all are, all of us who follow Jesus, the Bible calls saints. The Bible's serious call for all of us saints to persevere in our discipleship with Jesus. This is something you hear in Scripture from beginning to end, the call to persevere in your discipleship. When Abram and Sarah were wandering for a long time and getting old and the baby that they'd been promised wasn't coming, God calls them to persevere. When Moses and the Israelites had been in the desert a long, long time and they were getting hungry and they were getting tired, the Lord calls them to persevere. When the Galatian church... Was struggling with their faith. Paul wrote him a letter, and in chapter 6, verse 9, he said to the Galatians and to us, do not grow weary in well-doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, persevere. And finally, the book of Hebrews, which I read for our reading this morning, The book of Hebrews is a book all about perseverance. If there's one call that we people get in the book of Hebrews over and over, it is the call to persevere. And I think you could hear that in this passage. The preacher of Hebrews, and if you watch Jeopardy, that person is not Paul. The preacher of Hebrews calls us to persevere over and over again. And you hear it in this passage. Do not develop a sinful and unbelieving heart, he says. Keep your convictions firm to the end, he says. Do not be like the Israelites, that's his main point of comparison, who started to grow weary and lose heart and and rebelled, and as a result, never entered the rest. Keep persevering. And that call to persevere is in the canons of Dort. I think you heard that too. In paragraph two, paragraph two reminds us of this serious call to keep pressing, even when life is a struggle, keep persevering. So, we have continual cause to humble ourselves before God. We are to practice holy exercises of godliness, and we are to strain towards the goal of perfection until we are free from this body of death. Persevere. Now, what kind of virtue is perseverance? What are we talking about when we talk about perseverance? Perseverance is a virtue, a quality for the middle of our journey. It's for the daily grind of the journey. Perseverance is not a a virtue that you need at the beginning of your journey. Think again of the Israelites in the desert. At the beginning of their journey, no one needed to call them to persevere. Um, They come through the Red Sea, if you remember. God delivers them, drowns the armies of Pharaoh. Miriam picks up her tambourine, and in Exodus 14, they all sing a song on the shores of the other shore, and they sing... The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. The horse and rider have thrown into the sea and our Lord will guide us to the promised land. This is going to happen, they sing. They don't need to be called to persevere. They're chomping at the bit. Perseverance is a virtue for the middle of the journey. For when they're tired and it's manna every morning and it's dry and it's hot and their kids are complaining, that's when they need to be called to persevere. Persevere. Perseverance is also a great virtue for the middle of our journey because, in the middle of our journey, when we are tired, there are certain unique spiritual dangers that come to us. In particular, I'm thinking of the spiritual danger of the slow leak. Perseverance is a remedy for the spiritual danger of the slow leak. What is the slow leak? Well, I know you've been a Christian your whole life, you've been trying to be dutiful. You've been trying to do the right thing. And even though you've been trying really hard, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. You're struggling with the same old sins, the same old temptations. It doesn't feel like you're making any progress. And when you started out as a Christian, it felt like you were on fire. And now, if you're honest, a lot of the times it, it feels more like a duty. And what happens? You start to spring a leak. It's not a spiritual blowout. The air doesn't go out all at once. It's just little by little. You used to go to Bible study every Thursday morning. But you've started to go to the gym every morning. And, so you can't make it to Bible study and you haven't figured anything out yet. Your family used to have devotions at the end of dinner every day. But, but now Johnny's in the play and Susie's at basketball practice, and you're not even together at dinner, and, you know, it's hard to find another time. You used to volunteer down at the shelter, but, you know, you've been really working hard lately. You're trying to get that promotion, and just haven't, you know, that haven't been able to get down there for a couple years. You used to love to go to church every single Sunday morning, but now, you know, Sometimes you just feel like sleeping in once in a while. And man, it feels good. And it's not like you're not committed. It's just once in a while. And so it goes. The balloon of your faith does not pop. It doesn't just lose all its air at once. It's just a slow leak until all of a sudden, one day you wake up and the tires are flat and your heart is empty. Perseverance is a quality A virtue that works against that slow leak. Let me say three things about it. First, perseverance is a virtue for the daily grind. Just like it's the daily grind, the long journey that grinds us down and causes the slow leak, perseverance is a daily thing. If you listen to verse 13, it said, Encourage one another daily. It's a daily virtue where you do small things every day to keep your faith. Perseverance is quotidian. Perseverance is putting one foot in front of the other. Perseverance is going to that committee meeting again. Perseverance is turning off the TV and calling your sister because she know, you know that she's struggling and needs to hear from you. Perseverance is going to youth group even when you got a lot of homework and know that you're going to stay up a little later. So perseverance is daily, doing small things. Perseverance is also always, always practiced against the grain of your feelings. When you persevere, you're always doing something you don't feel like doing. And I know that in our world, often you're told never to do that, right? You should only ever do what you feel. Your feelings are your guide. Scripturally, that doesn't work. Uh, If you're trying to persevere, that doesn't work. Perseverance is always tacking against the wind of your feelings. And finally, perseverance is best done in communities. You can try and persevere with yourself, but you won't get as far as if you try to do it together. right? And that's in our text too. Encourage one another. Do this together. On your own, you're going to fall. Together, encouraging one another, we can persevere. So that's perseverance. A scriptural call. It's in the canons. Definitely in the Bible. But that's only one angle on what the canons say and one angle on the perseverance of the saint that's us looking at it from the daily grind remember i said at the beginning right with that analogy there's two different ways to look at it we've been looking at it from the daily grind but most of the canons adore want to lift us up and have us look at perseverance of the saints from god's perspective from the divine perspective. And from the divine perspective, perseverance for the saints looks completely different. There is a lot less grind and a lot more grace. Now let's turn and see that. Let's go to Article 8. Also on page, well no, it's on page 138. So just flip over the page, 138 in our faith, and let me read Article 8 with you. So it is not by their own merits or strength, but by God's undeserved mercy, that they neither forfeit faith and grace totally, nor remain in their own downfalls to the end and are lost. With respect to themselves, this not only easily could happen, but also undoubtedly would happen. But with respect to God, it cannot possibly happen. God's plan cannot be changed. God's promise cannot fail. The calling according to God's purpose cannot be revoked. The merit of Christ, as well as his interceding and preserving, cannot be nullified. And the sealing of the Holy Spirit can neither be invalidated nor wiped out. You can hear the difference. The canons of Dort briefly mentions at the beginning of this head of doctrine are called to persevere, but if you read the rest of the canons, it's all about God's perseverance with us. The emphasis isn't on our perseverance, it's on God's persevering with us, which is why a lot of people actually don't like the title, The Perseverance of the Saints, because when I say those words, it sounds like it's us. They prefer the title, The Preservation of the Saints. Because that puts the onus on God and focuses on how God is preserving his people. The stress in this part of the canons and the message of scripture is that it is God who preserves us. When we fall, he picks us up. When we fail, he lifts us up. And if you belong to Jesus, there is absolutely nothing that will prevent him from finishing his work with you. Let's go to Romans 8. And we'll hear the scripture saying the same thing. This is completely the message of Romans 8. That God will will most certainly finish his work with us and will never give up. I can't read the whole thing. Let's read 28 through 32. Okay, just a short bit from the middle of Paul's argument. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to all those things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This is the word of the Lord. We hear the promise of those verses, right? The certainty of those verses. We cannot fall, when you belong to Jesus, you cannot fall, says Paul. That is, that is from the beginning of end to Romans 8 what's in Paul's heart and mind. Do you have any idea how much God loves you, says Paul. In all things, he's working for the good of those who love him and he's called according to his purposes. Those he's predestined, he's also called. Those he's called, he's also justified. Those he's justified, he's also glorified. He's going to take you all the way down that track and he will not stop. He who did not spare his only son for you. If God gave up Jesus for you, How will he not, together with him, graciously give you all things? If if God was willing to give up Jesus for you, do you think he's going to give up this job halfway? That's Paul. From the perspective of the daily grind, we worry about our faithfulness all the time. From the perspective of the daily grind, we're always worried about the faithfulness of the people we love, right? But from this divine perspective... There is nothing in heaven and earth that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As Christians, we need both perspectives on perseverance of the saints. We need both that daily grind perspective and we need to hear the call of God calling us to persevere. But we also need that perspective from the heavens which says God will preserve and finish his work with us. We need both things. Without the daily grind perspective, if all we have is that divine perspective that God's gonna finish his work on us, the danger is that we will think it doesn't matter that much what we do. You know, God's gonna finish, it doesn't matter how I behave, God doesn't care about my holiness, God doesn't care if I pursue justice, God doesn't care if I try to love my neighbors. He absolutely does care about all these things. He wants us to strive towards holiness, clear. But if all we have is the daily grind perspective, we are going to fall into despair. If we think it's up to us to finish this race, we will fall. If we think it's up to us to free Solo, mount righteousness, we will fall on our faces and into despair. One of my favorite stories that captures both ends of this perseverance that we're called to is a story that maybe you've heard before. It comes from the day that Neil Plantinga was confirmed by Synod uh, to be the new president of Synod. And if you know, if, you, if, you, if you're going to take a job like president of Synod, uh, s- president of uh, seminary, Synod wants to interview you. So in Synod, there was an interview where they had a regular interviewer and they asked Neil all sorts of questions. And then they allowed questions from the floor. People could stand up and ask Neil anything. And one elder stood up and asked Neil a question. And I don't remember where this elder was from, but in my mind, he's from Canada and he had a Dutch accent. And he asked a really good, really personal question. And it was something like this. He said, Domini, Dr. Planinga, I have a friend who is really struggling right now. His whole life he's followed Jesus. He has been at the center of our church. He has been on council. He gives to the church. He has taught catechism. He is a wonderful man. He has been a model of faith, but he is dying of cancer. And while he's dying, he he cannot feel the assurance of his faith. He doesn't feel God's closeness. He has all kinds of doubts and all kinds of fears. He doesn't know what to do. What should I say to him, Dominie? What should I say to him, Dr. Planninger? And Neil paused for a second and said, "I would tell him to rest in the cradle of God's grace." I think that's a really good answer that gets at the heart of the fifth point of doctrine in the canons of Dort. Because we will all come to a place, we will all come to a place where our ability to persevere will end. Our hands will lose their strength. Our will will not be able to make us take one more step. And our minds will not be able to hold on to one more answer. And in that place when our grip fails, we do not fall into ruin we fall into the cradle of God's grace. That's a gospel truth we need at the beginning of our journey. That's a gospel truth we need in the middle when we're tired. And that's definitely a gospel truth we need at the end when our strength is gone. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, throughout this series whenever we've studied this doctrine at the end, we come back to you, that you're the king of kings, that you're Lord, that it's not us, it's you. It's your power, it's your glory, it's your faith. Thank you for that deep-rooted assurance. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that that deep-rooted assurance will not make us complacent, but will fill us with gratitude and make us people who strive towards holiness. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for watching LaGrave CRC's Sermon Podcast.